series leading up to Easter on the Lord's Prayer. And um, the Lord's Prayer is a beautiful thing. But before we get there, I felt the need to share a joke with you. All right. I was thinking of the video bumper we just saw of a man that was walking in a forest. And uh, we imagine he's, he's saying the Lord's Prayer as he's walking there. Another man happened to be walking in a forest one day. And he felt especially close. He felt especially near to God. And so as we often do, we begin talking with the Lord and maybe asking him a question or two. Well, this particular man, as he was walking in the forest, he felt especially close to God, and he asked God, you know, some of the important things of life. He said, God, what is a million years to you? And he listened as he continued walking, and he heard God's response. My son, a million years is like a second to me. Well, then the man continued, and he said, God, if that's a million seconds, I can only imagine. What is a million dollars to you? And God replied, my son, a million dollars is less than a penny to me. It means almost nothing to me. And as you can imagine, the man then asked God, can I have a million dollars? To which God replied, give me a second. Come on. Come on. You had to be alert at the beginning, the middle, and the end, somebody. Um, all these jokes will be made available online for free. And uh, some of you just need to listen to that again. Uh, or was it that bad? Okay, it may, it, it, it may have been that bad. All right. The Lord's Prayer is a prayer that, that, that can serve us well in three ways. First, it is a prayer. It stands alone. It is a prayer that Jesus gave to his disciples, not haphazardly, but on one particular occasion. In Luke chapter 11, the disciples see Jesus praying. They see the life that he's been living, the supernatural, and the way he's been treating others, the way he's been caring, the way he's been praying, the way he's been living his life. And they notice, my goodness, something is different about this man. He teaches as one with authority. He teaches not as a fragmented soul living a fragmented life, but he teaches as one who is whole, that is healthy, that is on fire and passionate for the things of the, the, the Lord, the living God. And so they approached him. They said, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? Would you teach us how to pray? Here's the thing. The disciples knew how to pray. They had several prayers they prayed. Like, you don't grow up in a Jewish household and have no clue how to pray. No, 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 no. These disciples knew how to pray. They probably knew how to pray really, really well. The difference was they've been following this rabbi named Jesus, and he's, he's out there. He's welcoming people they shunned. He's healing people when they try to run for people. He's multiplying food when they're like, there's nothing here. Let's take off. And so they come to him knowing how to pray. They said, hey, will you teach us how to pray? Like, we want to learn. 
We, we, we've been preaching some of your sermons, Jesus. We like some of the parables. We got, we got that down. We've even been able to cast out some demons. We've even been able to set people free. We love when you give us your power. We love that. But we need to know how to pray. We need to know how to pray. And they said, teach us how John the Baptist taught his disciples in the same way would you teach us. And then Jesus gifts them this prayer. It will take your prayer life up a notch. Now, here's the thing. It takes some time. It takes some dedication. It takes some prioritizing. It isn't pray the Lord's Prayer once. Well, that pastor was wrong. It did nothing for me. No, 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 no. It's like any good prayer. You pray it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. So it gets in the fiber of your being. That is the beauty of a ritual. You have familiarity with a ritual in this country. Every time I go and speak at a chapel in my daughter's school, they say several different pledges. What is the pledge? It is, at its utmost, a ritual. It's something we do here in America. Well, why do we do it? We do it to keep perspective. We do it to keep understanding. It's not just some empty words. We're just, hey, We'll just say whatever comes to our heart. Let's say, yeah, what do we think about America? I love America. No, we have the pledge. It puts some words in a framework that means something significant to us. Well, the same way prayer works for us is that we begin to practice it. We begin to step into it. And that's the second part of this prayer is that it becomes a direction for your living. It holds you accountable. It really does. You begin to let this prayer take root on the inside. It begins to work its way on the outside. So it's a prayer. It's a direction for our life. And then it can also serve us all well as a model for prayer. We can actually break down. If you wanted to go this far, this is kind of extra. You get extra for this, okay? This is extra credit homework, all right? And you can begin to take your prayers and serve or let this prayer serve as an outline for your prayer time can work in a in a wonderful way with that today though we spend our time we spend some of our moments not as much last week with the overarching themes of the prayer and i highlighted the first line of the prayer today we're going to say the second part of this prayer it's one you're familiar with thy kingdom Come, thy will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven or as it is in the heavens. If you missed last week's message, I did share on how the heavens aren't majestically millions of miles away. No, they're here in this room. The very presence of God supernatural nearness of God. That's why we see heaven invading earth in all of the First Testament, the Old Testament, and subsequently all of the New Testament, and subsequently here in 2023, everybody. You've been seeing how the heavens have been invading college campuses this year. Beautiful picture. It's not surprising. We should not be shocked. You know what I mean? Sometimes, aren't you intrigued by what we get surprised about as Christians? Whoa, God healed somebody. Well, if 
I had known he did that. <laughs> oh my gosh, a check landed up. God provided my need. Whoa, that's crazy. I get surprised myself. Like I'm part of the prayer team. We're praying our prayers. Then God opens doors and y'all get jobs or promotions or a home or saved. Your family gets saved. We're all like, oh, if only we knew. I say that tongue-in-cheek, but it serves as a good reminder that the heavens are consistently, continually breaking in. That's why in my home, we just pray about everything. Most everything, I should say. Let me, let me be, most everything. Yesterday, Emma and I, our youngest daughter and I, got to spend some time together. She's been bugged by this little blister thing on her lip. And you know, so... Any good dad, I bandage her entire head so she can't talk or see. No, I'm kidding. I didn't, I didn't do that. <laughs> we applied a little, little healing ointment to it and went about our day. And while we're still in the bathroom where our medicine cabinet is, I just said, I touched the back of her head. I said, yes, thank you, Lord, just for healing Emma and, and strengthening her and taking care of her lip. And she's like, Dad, it's not that bad. We, didn't, we don't need to pray about it. <laughs> I'm like... Honey, your dad's a pastor. That's foreign to me. Like, I pray for green lights, baby. I pray for parking spots. I mean, nothing is off limits, right? <laughs> Some of you first-time guests are like, I, I don't know about this. It's, it, it's okay. You can pray about anything and everything, too. God is so near. God is so good. But what I've found with this prayer is it's given me a strong foundation for my prayer life. It's given me a rootedness because on my best days, it's all about God's kingdom. On my best days, I'm serving a greater purpose. My life is fulfilled because I'm here on purpose, with a purpose. I'm not an accident, and I believe that wholeheartedly about you. But one of the beautiful things about this prayer is there are just some days it doesn't feel like it. I still have words to pray. My life still has a direction. So I don't want my prayer life to be run by feelings. Like if I'm honest with you, hey, pray when you feel like it. Maybe a good year would have 100 out of 365 days. You know, that'd be a good year. But a bad year, that would look like maybe 10 times a year if I just, when I feel like it. What we want to do is we want to have words for every season, every moment. And your life's mission really is summed up in this prayer. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I can't think of any time in history when this prayer and these words are more important for the people of God and for people abiding with Jesus. Our culture our country, our globe is in need of a fresh awakening of the kingdom of God and the heavens. That a God who isn't keeping his distance, but is close to us and it's near to us. And I think about, there's a little bit of a tension in a prayer like, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. In fact, I wouldn't, I, I, I wouldn't be um, too upset with you if you missed this line of the prayer. Because this line is the game changer. Like, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Yeah, come on, man. Yes. 
I can get my worship on. I love you, Lord. And then, man, it would be kind of nice, and maybe in American society it would fit really well. Hallowed be thy name. Give us today our daily bread, baby. Right, let me get in on that. But Jesus, come on. You know, you, you almost wonder, like, Jesus, look, if you put this line in there, you're going to frustrate a lot of people? I could see Peter giving Jesus some counsel. Peter liked to give Jesus counsel. Come on. Every, every one of you, you need a good Peter in your life, somebody. He like, you said, what? No, no, son. You got a lot to learn. <laughs> Peter, I could almost imagine. Jesus, look, look, look. We love the worship part. We love the adoration part. We love the fixing our eyes on you part. And we really love the daily bread part. But come on, you're going you to lose some people, Jesus. You're going to upset some people, Jesus. You're going to frustrate some Americans in 2,000 years, Jesus. You go pray in thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. You're going to step on some toes, Jesus. You're going to frustrate Pastor Paul at Hillside, Jesus. We need to be frustrated. (laughs) We need to be aware (laughs) that we serve a greater purpose beyond me, myself, and I. This line keeps our hearts pure. Keeps our spirits sensitive to the mission of God. In a culture and in a world pulling you apart for your passions. Pulling you apart for your money, for your time, for your schedule. To get you fragmented. We have an anchor for the soul. Thy kingdom come. Take my yoke upon you, all who are heavy laden, who are busy beyond belief and exhausted to the extreme. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Thy kingdom come. Lord invites each of us to adjust our schedule to his schedule and his priorities. Thy kingdom come. I'm telling you, it takes about a few months, like any good diet plan. The Lord's prayer begins to get in your system. Thy kingdom come. I thought it'd be fun to talk for a few moments. Uh, You know, of course, we're in church, so fun we use... Uh, relatively speaking, but I thought it'd be fun to just take a quick moment, have a little bit of a civics class. How many of you love civics? That's what I thought. All right, that's what I thought. I I knew my back would be against the wall, okay. But we need to think about thy kingdom come, don't we? Else, if I'm I'm not careful, it's going to be Paul kingdom come. Paul kingdom come, Paul kingdom come, Paul kingdom come, Paul kingdom come. In case you didn't notice, Paul kingdom come. But that's not it. So we'll do a brief civics class. Class is in session. With any good kingdom, there needs to be a group of people. And so as we pray this prayer, I think it needs to be, or we need to be mindful of the kind of people Jesus lets in his kingdom. I think it is appropriate to understand that when we pray thy kingdom come, we're probably bringing some preferences. We're probably bringing some ideas and ideals to the table 
that may or may not look anything like Jesus or the people he brought to his table. Go with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 9, 10 through 12. If you can't get there quickly enough, don't worry. We've got screens with the verse on for you. Here's Jesus and the kind of people he experienced. Jesus has called Matthew, Levi, a tax collector, which no rabbis did, except Jesus. Shortly after that, Matthew had a, I don't want to say a small fortune, good chance he had a very large fortune, he invited everybody over for dinner. And as he sat at dinner in the house, he being Jesus, many tax collectors and sinners. So Matthew's friends and co-workers and cohorts came up along with other sinners were sitting with him and his disciples. Like, so he's not only calling Matthew, there's a good chance Jesus is proposing to all these other tax collectors, hey, come follow me, come follow me, come follow me. And these other sinners, hey, come on, come follow me. Well, when the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, the ones who thought they had the keys to the kingdom of God, we're about to find out they missed it. They don't have the keys to the kingdom. When they lived in a society and a mindset to lock others out, Jesus is about to blow down the walls. The Pharisees saw this, and they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Like, that's a no-go. That's the no-go zone. But when he heard this, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick. The kingdom of God is invading people's lives who are in need of a Savior. For all who strive and live in their own strength, according to their own intellect, according to their own stubbornness and pride, the kingdom of God has trouble coming in. But to all who are sick, and weary, and exhausted, and heavy laden, and burdened beyond belief, and stressed out of their minds. The kingdom of God comes knocking. And it says you don't have to live in sin. You don't have to ha, strive. You don't have to keep up with the Joneses. You don't have to outdo one another. You can live in a good kingdom. Another uh, a passage, we can bring up the other I think I sent it over on the notes and left it out of my notes, if we, if we can. Philip, do you have the other passage in the gospel? I think it should go right along. Yeah. Luke 7, 36 through 50. Oh, they did the read-along to me. Okay. Okay. I see how you guys are rolling today. Here's, here's Luke 7, uh, 36 through 50. We'll do the Paul read-along version. Okay. You, you read along in your own time. Here's the deal. Jesus reclining at table with a Pharisee who invited him to dinner. And this, this crazy lady comes in, y'all. She's a prostitute. She sneaks in the house. I'm guessing through the back door. I don't know how it worked in that day. But Jesus, it says, is reclining at table. So he's just relaxing. This lady comes in, and she's got no manners. She comes in. She starts weeping at the feet of Jesus. Like, not a church, hold it together, weep, you know? Like... She starts to full on the snot. Gospels say she washed his feet with her tears. I'm convinced 
There was some snot up in there. I mean, it was mercy embodied being poured out, physiologically being dumped on Jesus' feet, and then she's taking her hair and wiping his feet. Then she takes a year's worth of wages that she had put together for an alabaster jar, and she cracks that and dumps that on Jesus' feet. Well, Simon, the Pharisee is like, yo, if he had any idea who she was, he would not allow her in, in this space, at this table. And Jesus says, hey, you own this house. You brought this meal. You didn't even give me a hug when I came in. You gave me no fist pump. You didn't look me in the eye. You gave me no holy kiss. You gave me no kind of greeting. But from the moment she came in, she has not stopped crying. And he would go and he would say, this then is how the kingdom of God is moving forward. It's changing. It's shifting. The walls you've created are coming down. The bars that you have built to keep people out. Jesus is continually looking to bring more and more people in. I did something unique in this message as I wrote up a little paragraph under each thought. Now, they may, they may just ask me to read it aloud. I'm just playing with the tech guys. You know that. But did they happen to get that quote? It says, people, we learn very quickly, is how the quote begins if they got it. But it says this, we learn very quickly that God is all about people. He loves them dearly. He loves them generously. He is pursuing them with a relentless compassion and mercy. We become strikingly aware that God does not ask our permission for who he should pursue. For all humanity is his love and desire as he created them. We recognize that not or that God even has a particular fondness and mercy upon our enemies. The people we dislike or disdain, the, the most are cherished in our Father's eyes. This is new territory for us. We like our boundaries. We commit to our conveniences and ease. The kingdom of heaven breaks in and removes all our attempts at disenfranchising others. The dividing lines of love are blurred when Jesus reveals and teaches a kingdom where all people have access to being the beloved of God as they trust in him. Paul's writing remains, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Full stop, period, right there. All. And so when we pray, thy kingdom come, I am at war at times with my flesh because I'm able to step into a prayer that I know is better for me than any prayer I could pray for myself. My alignment and my tendency will be towards the Pharisees. In my own self-righteousness, I can begin to pray for a kingdom or an idealistic vision, even of church life, that may miss the mark of what God is wanting to do in and through his people here at Hillside, but even in this region, even in this nation, even across the globe. And so thy kingdom come. We have to, in civics class, recognize there's a population. There's a people group involved. And God would call the people of his kingdom citizens of heaven. 
And while we're here on earth, we're a witness. You know, in the early church, in the early church, there was all sorts of slavery in the culture around them. All sorts of slavery. It's nothing new to society. That was the Roman way. You had the aristocracy. You had the wealthy. The ones with money had power. And they could basically live however they wanted. Well, what would happen in the early church is, is they, these sorts of people would get saved. And so you would have an entire family which included the slaves, which included the people that Monday through Saturday were serving, not the king or queen, but the leader, the father and the mother and, and, and the very family. But then when they stepped into church, all of that had to fade away. And so what you may find is a father would be there with the Lord's table and his slave, who he now, because of the transforming work of the Lord, was probably doing a lot of good to during the week. But he would come forward with his family and he would pronounce the body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Jesus poured out for you. All of the walls changed because of the church. And because of Jesus, let me say this, and him infiltrating the very system. And so, you know, they would leave church and things would go back to their appropriate ways and, and laws and regulations. But inside the church, it all changed. The very enemies would be given the bread and the juice, the mercy of God. And you can imagine that, and that was probably emotionally involved. Some of them didn't want to do that. But they had to lay that down. That's that thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not in heaven as it is on earth. No, other way. The kingdom come again. So the people were, were pivotal part. These next few, don't worry. I see the panic in your eyes. We'll move through quite quickly. There is a king in this kingdom. And man, I hate to shock you today. I really do. It's not you. And something you already knew, it's not me. There is a king of this kingdom, and his name is Jesus. King Jesus. He was born, he lived, he died, he was resurrected, and he ascended into the throne. The right hand of the Father, where he is ruling and reigning. He's leading. Let me break it down simpler, okay? In the classroom, there is a teacher. Jesus is the teacher of the classroom. All right? We're not. He's the king. He's the governor. He's the mayor. He's the president. He's, he's everything in that regard. He is the one we're following. And so he is the one whose teachings, whose ways of living, we align our life to, not he aligns to us. He's ruling and reigning even now. He's coming back again. But he's not like biding his time and confused and like just, you know, coming up with hobbies in heaven. No, he's currently ruling and reigning. He's king of kings and lord of lords. And he invites us to come up under his ruling and reigning. And he has ways of living, ways of living to exhausted people, to wiped out people. He has Ways of slowing down, ways of experiencing his rest. To the anxious, lonely hearts, he comes alongside and he says, let me teach you. Let me 
reveal to you. Let me breathe patience into your very being. To those who are lacking things and are in need, he comes alongside and he says, man, your heavenly father knows what you need before you even ask. He's a good king because the other area you need to know about is the economy of the kingdom. Like how are things taken care of? Well, this kingdom is unlike any other because this would be a kingdom where the king lays down his life for the population. It's the kingdom that you and I are invited into. And the kingdom exchange is love. It's mercy. It's justice. It's truth. It's peace. It's hope. It's emptying one's bank account for another. Not taking from another to open a new bank account. It's feeding the marginalized and the homeless on a Saturday afternoon. It's paying someone's electricity bill without them knowing about it. It's bringing somebody a car. It's going out of the way to pray for somebody. It's letting an interruption happen in your day. It's going to somebody lost in a desperate way and sharing the good news of Jesus. It's forgiving somebody who doesn't deserve it. It's offering a second chance for somebody who doesn't deserve a second chance. It's grace upon grace, mercy upon mercy. It's agape love. And here's what's crazy. It didn't really take off that well in the first century. I mean, it did in Acts 2. I mean, 3,000 people came to Jesus pretty quick. But outside of that, it, it took a little time. The fastest moving good news, the fastest moving gospel in the first hundred years of, of Roman civilization, A.D. 100, was the gospel of Caesar, where he was king and he was lord of lords. But don't panic on me, because this gospel of Jesus was like a seed that was planted and would be watered and watered and watered. And at the right time, it grew and grew into a large tree that fed the multitudes. Jesus would use that illustration as his very kingdom. And that slowly but surely, people near and far would come up under his rule and his reign, receiving his mercy, receiving his grace, and going out and announcing it to the world around them. And lives would be changed. People would be healed. People would be delivered. People would be set free and given a hope everlasting. And over their days, they'd be transformed into the likeness of Christ. And it would take off that just today, there's over 2 billion people probably saying the Lord's Prayer. Praying, and worshiping, celebrating Jesus. And guess what? Ain't nobody gathering to worship Caesar. <laughs> it's the power of the gospel moving in and through us, it's the power of a people organizing their life that somehow they keep their, their, their eyes, their hearts, their spirits moving in the direction of thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
And I want to encourage you this week, this prayer remains the same. And it's an invitation for every one of us to participate. The beginning of the day, the end of the day. We take our disappointments to the throne of God. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. See, all my problems, all my issues, all my issues, all my stuff, all my junk, all my stress points, begin to get overshadowed by thy kingdom coming, thy will being done. I begin to move into the background, and the mission of Jesus begins to take center stage again. I'm telling you, as I told you last week, my soul was desperate for this prayer. I didn't know I needed it, but God knew I needed it. And so I've begun to order my ways, order my finances, order my relationships. I let the Holy Spirit convict me at the end of the day, and I'm like, whew, some of the way I chatted to so-and-so, some of the way I treated my wife or my daughters, Lord, I, I, I need your forgiveness. I've been too much about Paul's kingdom, too much about Paul's will. I need thy kingdom to come. And it's an amazing transformation that I, I do promise, I do. <laughs> and there's no catch for $19.99. No, free, I promise. <laughs> Over time, you'll begin to see your life transform into the likeness of Christ as this prayer begins to be the direction for your life. Amen? Amen. Let's pray it together, and then we'll close service. Father, again, thank you for this time. Thank you for every person here. Every heart, Lord, we want to be up under your leadership, up under your ruling and your reign. We need you, Lord. As we sung in worship earlier, God, we need you. Even the places that we don't know we need you, we need you. And so, Lord, we take a moment to say this prayer. Steady our hearts and steady our minds. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever.